verses 1 to 22. Then Saul, still breathing, th- uh, <coughs> then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether man or woman, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a, a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much he is how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And there he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he has chosen he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me to you, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight once at once, and he arose and was baptized. So then he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days at the disciples of Damascus. Immediately he preached that Christ, he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on, the na- on this name in Jerusalem? And has he come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them, to, bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. And now I'm left standing. (laughs) I think Pete's either wandered off with them. I've got to guess the offering for last week now. I'll try and round it off. On listening to us on the internet and um, who's downloaded this as, as a podcast via iTunes, 
Hope you have a, a good time with us as we open the word here at King's. I want to uh, talk to you today about one of the most terrifying things that a person can do. One of the most terrifying things that a person can do. Do you know what it is? It's to go to church for the first time. Terrifying. For someone to go to church for the first time, or even um, in some instances, to go to a new church for the first time, it is a truly terrifying thing to do for many people. And uh, I remember, uh, it's, I guess it's okay if you're going as a group, like you've got your husband with you or your wife with you, but particularly if you're going on your own, what a terrifying thing to do. I, I remember, and I've told this story before, but it's worth repeating because people are new and other people don't, won't, won't remember. And because it's funny, I remember one time when I was dating Jane and I used to drive to her home and I'm going to try and make this nondescript so no one can work out where this is. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I remember passing a church that had a Sunday night service from 6 to 7. And uh, we didn't have a meeting here that time. And I was brought up when I was saved to go to church twice on a Sunday. So I kind of, I got a bit itchy, you know, uh, Sunday nights. I want to go somewhere, worship the Lord. And uh, so I remember thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to visit that church. I'm, I'm going to go there. I'm just going to show up one night, 6 o'clock. And go to their service. It's only an hour. So if it's not very good. I haven't lost out. You know. And uh, I'll be okay. Then as six o'clock got nearer. It's only like a five minute drive from my home. As six o'clock got nearer. I began to get a bit edgy. I got a little bit nervous. (laughs) I'm going to a church. I don't know what it's going to be like. You know. What are they going to make of me? And I started to feel a bit, you know, a bit nervous. So I drove over there. I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll go late. I'll go late. That way, I won't have to talk to no one. I just better walk in and sit down late. Now, I know that some Christians are like that 10 years after their conversion. <laughs> right? And, and, and it's wrong. You need to mature, by the way. But, but when you're new, you do think like that. So I thought to myself, okay. So I arrived at 10 past 6. Now the building is kind of all made of stone and wood, you know. There's no windows, so I've got no way to know, no way to know uh, whether the service has begun or not. So I'm, I'm like hanging around outside. I suppose I didn't call the police. I'm hanging around outside thinking, is there, is there anything? And I'm listening. Can I hear music? You know, can I hear it? And I'm nervous. And I'm, I'm almost thinking, shall I just not go? And eventually I said, okay, I think I can hear some music. So the service must have begun. So then I approached the door. Now, as I approached the door, it's shut. It's wooden and it's shut. A bit like our front door, a big wooden door. 
What I don't know is I don't know as I open that door what is on the other side. I don't know if there's a corridor, right, with a poster for spring harvest. Or I open the door and everyone looks around at me. I don't know. I don't know. So I decide to try to look through the keyhole of the church. What's going on in there? It looks like there's a little vestibule, that's what they call it, don't they? Vestibule bit, a porch bit, hallway. So I go through the door. Now I'm in. But now I'm approaching the other door, and I know that when I go through this door, I'm now in the church. And I'm telling you, I'm absolutely terrified. Eventually, I summon up enough courage to open the door, and I go in, and of course, it's a Sunday night meeting, which are in Britain generally very poorly attended. So it's no, uh, this is no uh, criticism of this particular church I'm talking about. But they have about, they have like a, you know, like what they call, I guess they call them a holy eight who show up Sunday nights. And they sit in the front row and they've curved it around in a circle. So when I arrive, I go and I sit in the second row. Because I don't want to, I don't know, maybe these are all deacons or, you know, what have I walked into here? And so I sit in the second row and a lady turns, looks at me and says, don't sit there. Sit here. I've just transported her to the West Country for effect, but she really did live in the Fens. And I was brought and made to sit in the front row with the others. Now, I don't know how many visitors this church had had in its, in its history, but I noticed that everyone was now a bit nervous that I was there. The other eight of them, the pastor, they were all a bit nervous. Who is he? What does he want? Is he a Christian or not? So I, I help them out by singing along to one of the songs. And it calms them all down. Ah, he knows Graham Kendrick. He must be born again. Or at least on the way. And then at the end, they're having a communion. And in this particular church, they only want Christians to take communion. And that's a common thing all over. Uh, I make no comment on that for now. But they, but they only want... So, so this, the, the pastor is looking everyone in the eye except me. And saying, if you're not a Christian, don't you take this. But they ain't looking at me. Looking at everyone else as though to tell me. Well, I took communion and they said... You know, there was, oh, maybe he is a Christian. And like I say, it was, only an, it was only an hour. And the service was over. In fact, as part of that service, and this is a lovely idea, actually, so I'm not criticizing this, but the person, the, the, the preacher read the passage and then said, let's think about this for 10 minutes. And we all were silent while we made up our own sermon about the reading in, in our head. And then it was over. A truly terrifying night. I've never been so keen to get to a date with Jane ever before. <laughs> or since. It was terrifying. Now, let me just tell you, just in case you don't know, I 
am a church leader. So what must it have been like for anyone else to arrive at that big wooden door and think, oh my, what's through there? Dare I go in? How long is it going to last? What are they going to do to me? And so I want to ask the question today, for all of us, which really, really, really includes you, what am I doing and what are you doing to, to help people through this process when they arrive here? Because it's a scary thing. Now today, I want to talk about two groups of people who may well show up here. There are a number of people who show up here, but here are two groups. One, people who don't know the Lord at all, and they have come to church. They haven't a clue about any of it. And secondly, a group of people who are looking for a church. They just arrived in in Cambridge, or they're looking for a church, but they don't know what it's going to be like. And I want to tell you that we, not just me, but we need to help people to make this transition. And this needs to be a very uh, easy place to come to. It needs to be an obvious place, uh, in as much as it needs to be obvious what it's about, and it needs to be a very friendly place. Uh, My example I want to use today from the scripture is this uh, experience between Ananias and, we'll call him Paul, He was called Saul then, wasn't he? But Ananias and Paul. How is it that Paul became a devout Christian? One, because of the intervention of Jesus. Two, because of the work of Ananias. And it is not one and not the other. They are both involved. Jesus appears to him, ching on the road, knocks him off his horse, no catchers, straight off the horse, and changes his life. So God changes people's lives. But it's people, like Ananias, that integrate people into the church. And both are important things. So God can shine a light, but if it wasn't for Ananias instructing him, praying for him, welcoming him, baptizing him in this particular instance. If it wasn't for Ananias, maybe there wouldn't be an Apostle Paul. There's a massive human element involved. And we need to get this right. God breaks into people's lives. God opens people's eyes. God allows people to be born again. But it's people that welcome those people into church. It's people that look after them, disciple them, explain things to them. That's not God's job. That's human job. That's a human job. God does the spiritual things that we cannot do, but God doesn't often do our job. We have to be the Ananias in the story. So let's talk about How we, as a local church, how we help people 
who have already actually done the biggest bit of the job, which is they've decided to, to come here. They've decided to, to come through the door. Once they've decided to come through the door, what do we, what's our job? And how does this work with the life of Ananias? Let me just, let me get on with it here. First of all, Ananias had to, what I've called, break through, excuse me, the fear barrier. God said to him, I want you to go and look after a man called Saul of Tarsus. And what did Ananias say? No. He said, no, I won't do it. Lord, don't you know about him? He's scary. He's, he, he, he kills people. He kills people. And you want me to go and look after him? He kills people. He particularly kills people who sing Christian songs, Lord. <laughs> That's who he kills. Now, I want you to know something. No one coming through the door of this church is going to kill you. Nine times out of ten. In Rio de Janeiro, maybe. But not often here in this part of the world. They're not going to come and kill you. But we do need to break through the fear barrier. Oh, someone come and help me here. Because none of you, do you know what? None of you are looking at me. (laughs) None of you are looking at me. It's scary. Listen, most people are shy. Most people are shy. Either naturally or they've been made shy. Most people are shy. So, so, don't say, I'd love to go and say hi to people, but I'm shy. Well, I'm shy. The person coming in is shy. We're all shy, okay? So we need to break through the barrier of fear. It's scary sometimes to go up to someone and say, hello, are you new? Have you been here before? You know, what are you about? Tell me your name. That's like a a scary thing to do. It's a scary thing to do. But I want you to know something today. By and large, it is your job to do it. In as much as it's all of our our job to do it. So most people are shy. The people coming in are shy. And it is all about gauging it correctly. I won't won't say too much more about this, but we once went to another church where we went into the church building, and I might make reference to this a couple of times today. It's not so far from here, and it wasn't so long ago. And as we walked through the door, a man, who I didn't know at all, came over to Jane and kissed her on the face. Am I telling the truth? You you didn't know him either. That's what she claims. Now, look. You don't do that. Do you? Do you? Maybe you do. Maybe I was going, well, well, I would. If she was pretty enough, I would. So, we have to get it right. And... You can normally tell just by looking in someone's eyes, looking at their body language, do they want to be cuddled or not? And the default setting, believe me, is no. No. If someone bursts through the door and says, praise God, brother, it's wonderful to be here, and he's wearing a cowboy hat, maybe you can embrace him. But if you don't know who the person is, don't. Kiss them. 
So we're talking about getting it just right. Another uh, preacher often refers to this as the first date. When people arrive in church, they are having a first date with us. And the first date determines whether there's a second date. In any romance, the first date is quite important. It's not the most important, but it's really important as to whether this relationship is going to go any further. On the first date, maybe you shouldn't kiss the girl. Amen? All right, you're not sure. All right, but I didn't. Or maybe I did. Anyway, it doesn't matter what I did. You know what I'm saying. So when people arrive, because some people may arrive next week, you've never seen them before, what you mustn't do is think to yourself, it's someone else's job to go and talk to them. Can I just say, it's not, it's not someone else's job. If you are a part of this church and you are integrated into it and you consider yourself a mature, if you've only been saved five weeks, that's fine. But if you've known the Lord a little while, it's actually your job to do the Ananias factor. To say, okay, God has brought this person here, but it's actually my task now to do the Ananias bit of of bringing some sense of comfort to them, instruction to them. And in our context, it generally just means saying hello. Okay, number two, be mobile. Consolidators are on their feet. What do we mean by that? I, I remember years ago, a lady attending a church that I was pastoring. Uh, let's use this building as by way of um, example. She would come through the door and she would go to her seat. She would sit down. And uh, then she would kind of sit and there she would wait for the meeting to begin. Or she would wait for someone to come and sit down and talk to her and say, how's your week been? And then when the service was over, she stood up and she walked back through the door and exited the building. Almost like there was only like a certain bit of the building where she was ever present in. If you're doing a forensic examination of the building, you didn't find her fingerprints at any other point of the building. Just the the bit from her seat to the door to back. Now, do you know, again, if you've been a Christian five minutes, five minutes, that's perfectly all right. Of course. Of course. Thank God that you are coming at all. But if you're more mature than that, when you arrive, I'm just giving you some, some practical stuff. When you arrive in church, really, uh, if we are going to be consolidated, we're going to be people who, who welcome people, we actually probably shouldn't sit down very early at all. But in fact, we are on our feet. Our job is to say hi. Our job is to do the Ananias factor. That's a better m- name for this message. That's what it's called on the net from now. It's our job to do the Ananias. We need to be mobile on our feet. Uh, and, and, and so, at the point where you're sitting, that in, in a sense, it's a bit like, uh, let me use the illustration of, of a restaurant. I use this illustration quite a lot. It's not a perfect illustration. It has many 
uh, areas of error. It doesn't quite work. But in a restaurant, the waiters are not the ones who sit down. The public sit down and the waiters stand up. The waiters uh, do not sit down at the side of the restaurant and have the public come up to them and say, I would like, I'd like the steak. The, the waiters, the, the waitresses are supposed to go to the pub. They're mobile. They, they move. They move. The public sit down. And I guess part of what I want to do today and part of what any local church wants to do uh, on a fairly regular basis is bring people from the position of thinking that you are coming to church and it's a restaurant where you sit and someone will serve you and you just pay the bill and go home to the point where actually you say, I'm actually part of the staff here. I'm part of the team. So actually, it's, I, I will get to sit. I will receive. It will be a blessing. But as well as receiving, I'm also going to give as well. I'm going to join the team. And uh, that involves being mobile. Let's look at a third one. Like with like is best, but not law. What do I mean by that? Well, if a phenomenally gorgeous looking guy, 25 years old, comes through the door next Sunday, and let's pray, it may not be appropriate for two uh, uh, 25-year-old girls to say, hello, can I have your number? <laughs> I mean, you might want to do that. But you know, we have to be a bit sensitive about this. Don't kiss anybody, I guess is what we're saying here. Like with like is best, but it's not law. In other words, if, if, if a guy comes in, then a guy is best to go and say hi. Right? If a Nigerian guy comes in, a Nigerian guy is best to go and say hi. If, uh, you know, it's, if a student comes in, another student is best to go and say hi. But of course, we don't have the resource for that all, all the time. We're not 10,000 strong. And so we can't quite do that. It was the same with Ananias. Number one, he broke through the fear barrier. Number two, he was mobile. He left his home and he traveled, you see, to go and see Saul. He was, he was on his feet. Saul didn't come to him. He went to, he went to Saul. And thirdly, God didn't raise up a woman to go and baptize Saul and instruct him. Not because a woman couldn't do it, but just it's best, isn't it? Male and male, female and female. But at the same time, Saul and Ananias were not exactly the same type of people. Uh, they were different. And uh, so it's, it's a sense of just getting it right. It could be that as more people come, uh, there'll be a real sense of, okay, well, uh, here's a girl, so a girl ought to go and say hi. But let me tell you, if there is no one to do the job, then we all have to go and do the job. So like with like is best, but it's not law. It's not law. But uh, on, that, on that thought, you see someone come in, maybe they're from your country of origin, okay? Here's a job for you. Here's a job for you. Because people feel comfortable with like, with like. But just don't kiss anybody. <laughs> Number four, we take responsibility as a team player. I think I've covered this already. 
But Ananias said, Lord, I don't want to do this. And do you know what's amazing about Ananias? Is that we don't know anything about him. You would have thought, would you not? If God had broken into this man's life, he's going to be maybe the greatest Christian that ever lived, the Apostle Paul. You would perhaps have thought that God would have raised up John or Peter or James, you know, someone with a bit of New Testament zap about them to go and do this job. He's quite, God was quite capable of talking to Peter uh, or talking to James, talking to John and bringing them to go and be right there with Saul on that day and to minister to him. But what does he do? He calls for Ananias. The, the Bible says there was, just, there was just a man called Ananias. A man. Just an ordinary guy. Ananias didn't think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? He gets on Twitter. Where's, you know, where's John? I need John. He did it himself. He didn't fetch someone else. And uh, when we welcome people to church, let me, let me assure you of this. People who are coming to church for the first time, either they're brand new or they're new to this church, you don't have to have an encyclopedic knowledge of First and Second Samuel to talk to people. You don't need to know where, the, you know, uh, uh, where to find answers to a hundred questions. Because what people really need is just a friendly face that makes them feel relaxed, makes them feel calm. Some people want to talk. Other people just kind of want to be left alone. And it's with us, with our intelligence and our just natural discernment, just to work out what category is this person in. Do they just, do they want to talk? Do they want to be left alone? Can I answer any questions they might have? Not about who wrote the book of Isaiah and, and in what year, but, you know, questions like, what time, is, is there going to be coffee? Uh, 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 you know, who's the pastor here? Uh, what time does it end? Questions like that. And, and that's what people need. That's, that's what they need. Just a friendly face. And that friendly face, it's, it's actually you. It's you. And just from, a practical, just from a practical point of view, lots of folks who, who kind of are involved in all the ministry, we're fighting with leads and sound and computers and, you know. So, in fact, so many of us are actually tied up at the very time when this needs to happen. And so in that regard, you can't fetch someone else because that someone else is currently under, underneath the computer, banging it, trying to make it work. You can't fetch someone else. I want to say something here about this. That's why you can't be late. Because if you plan to go to a restaurant... And you plan to go at 6.30 to a restaurant. You can arrive at 6.30. You can even arrive at 6.40. Because that's when you've planned to go. If you're late, what you really are saying is, this is not my responsibility. I'm just going as a guest. But in a restaurant, waiters, chefs and whoever else, of course they arrive half an hour before the guests arrive. And the vast majority, although my story maybe is, suggests otherwise, uh, in my story, I arrived late because I was a bit nervous. 
But actually, a lot of people who are new to church, they actually arrive either on time or early because they didn't know where it was, so they arrive early. And that's why when, if you have people arriving and then everyone who is really, whose, whose task it was to be a welcoming uh, team to them, arrive 20 minutes after them, then the whole thing doesn't work. So what I'm saying to you is this, if you arrive on time for church, or even 10, 20 minutes later, what you're saying is, really the church is just a restaurant to me. I'm just going to receive from it. I'm not on the staff here. I'm not part of the team. And I want to say to you today, please change that, that uh, view. And join the team. Because if this is really going to work, it's going to need all of us to do this. Because, like I say, the little handful of people who are around early are all, we're not here having a laugh. We're here working and getting it all to work. So the church is not a restaurant. And there are, I think there are Christians, and this is not directed to anybody here. But I think there are Christians, they treat churches like restaurants. They have three favorites. Uh, Jane and I, if we go out for a meal, we have like three places where we like to go. It's either we go this one, this one, or this one. And you may be the same. If you, I said, let's go out for a meal, where do you go? Well, you probably have a favorite restaurant or, or one that you can afford or something like that. But you have a place. And it might be one or another. And there are believers today, and they, they treat church just like that. They, they go to this one or that one. And by doing that, they are not part of the team of, of any such place. They are saying, I'm, I'm not a waiter anywhere. I'm not a chef anywhere. I'm not on staff anywhere. I'm just, just taking from here and taking from there. Well, I want to encourage you, and speaking now to us here, please, if you have a, a, a habit of, of, of being late all the time, change this habit and join the team. Because as we have often experienced, when people are new, they walk in and there's nobody here. They think, have I come to the right place? Because there's nobody here. And, uh, and so no one's able to welcome them. And of course, it's a reflection on us uh, as a part of the body of Christ. So we take responsibility. Ananias didn't ring anyone else up. He said, well, this is going to be my job. I'm shy. I'm nervous. I'm going to have to be mobile. I'm going to have to talk to someone I don't know. And I'm a bit scared about it. But if God says it's me, then it's me. And I'm, I'm going to do it. Finally, I think, he welcomed the new family member. It's lovely how there's a progression in the story. I'm going to finish with this. When he first talks to God, in verse 13 of Acts 9, he says, I've heard many reports about this man. He calls him this man. He doesn't give him a name. He's kind of, um, he's just kind of a number to Ananias. He's, he's a statistic. He's one of the dangerous people. He doesn't know him. But then right at the end of the story, where will it be? Verse 17, he calls him Brother Saul. 
He welcomes him as part of his family. And we need to have that spirit as well. Because sometimes as churches grow, do you know what happens? Someone takes your car parking space. Don't they know that you've always parked there? Don't they know? Or someone comes and sits in the seat that you like. Right? Well, excuse me. But I sit here. Well, you don't. Unless you get there on time and, and sit there, you don't. If you come and you park on time, it's yours. But this man, he said to him, you know what? I'm going to receive you as a member of my family. I want to tell you that some believers are a little bit difficult. Some believers that will come through the door, they're going to have a whole load of problems. It doesn't make them unpleasant people, but they are much more of a They're much more of a work to do. It's not easy to befriend them. And I want you to know this. It's not the will of God for you in this church or any church to walk in and think, now how can I avoid seeing that guy over there? Oh, he's walking here. I'll just walk here. He says, brother. Brother Saul. Brother Saul. And he welcomes him into the family. The people are our family. That's who they are. You have some favorite members of your family, correct? And you have one or two members of your family, they're not quite, not quite your favorite, correct? Anyone want to say who they are? Let's all bow our heads, going out over the internet. Anyone want to shout our name? Okay. <laughs> but it's true. And it's the same in the church, in a, in a family There are people that are a little easier to chat with and people who are not so easy to chat with. When I was a kid, I loved every Thursday night going over to see my nan. Wow, I loved it. She always had a Twix handy. (laughs) And money. (laughs) You notice what I remembered first though, huh? I loved going to see my nan. But the Christmas day visit to Aunt Olwyn, not so fun. Amen. Not so fun. That's the same in the church. People we connect with better than others. And that's fine. It's, it's not, that's not wrong. It's just natural. But everyone's in the family. Everyone's in the family. And I want to encourage us in these weeks... People come and they, they really are on a, on, on a first date. And we want to give them a good first date. Do you know that the vast majority of people who visit a new church, they will not stay or go depending on how good or not the music was, the preaching was, the coffee was. Really, none of these things play any huge factor in, in, in anyone's decision. What really connects with people is a human face. For the last year or more, we've had dealings with a building company, the company that built our house. And the lady I dealt with on the phone, she, I did not quite get on with her. Let's say no more. 
I didn't quite get on with her. And I can put on the TV and I can see a big advert about these particular houses, these homes. I can see smiley faces going in the house. Oh, it's lovely. Oh, it's marvelous. I can see that they've been made beautifully and the paint. Well, I can see all that. But what I think about is the woman on the end of the phone. Right? That's what I think about. And it's the same here. What people will remember visiting here is not, maybe not be me or any of the team at all. It'll be you. Being the Ananias in the house. Being the welcomer. In that same church where Jane was kissed, I walked through the door. Within a minute, someone commented that I wasn't dressed correctly for the meeting. Then the meeting progressed. Two offerings were taken. We weren't really sure what they were for. I don't think a bag even went by me. Maybe they just thought, I'm tight. They won't bother with him. I don't know. I know. The bag never came to me, and there were supposed to be two offerings. <laughs> well, amen. At the end of the meeting, people were prayed for, fell under the power. It was terrifying. Jane and I stood way back against the wall so no one could fall on us. A delightful woman was lying on the ground, worshipping God, loving God, and then a very large lady with a large behind fell on her face. At that point, I don't know what commitment union she had with Jesus. As that happened, I thought those glasses are for sure destroyed. And I stood a bit further back against the wall in case the woman decided to jump up and have another dose. A lady came over to us and said, Peter, I know you're a pastor. Why don't you come and join in? I said, no, that's fine. I'll just worship God from here. I watched people fall on top of one another, still trying to sing while feet and legs are kicked into each other's bodies. We got out of there as quick as we could. And as we fled the car park, a car backed out and smashed into another car. We haven't been back. Tell me what was preached on. I don't know. Tell me what they sang. I don't know. Uh, tell me what color the walls were. I don't know. I don't know. Tell me who led worship. I don't even know. I don't know. I can't remember. But I remember vividly my wife being kissed on the door. <laughs> vividly. You shouldn't dress like that. Vividly, I remember Big Bertha falling on <laughs> little Linda and putting my uh, against the wall. I remember vividly driving out while there was a car smash in the car park. I remember it vividly. Vividly. Question, what will people remember about here? Will they remember me? No. No. Will they remember the songs? No, they won't. They'll remember someone who was nice to them in the door. They'll remember someone who chatted with them afterwards. That's what they remember. That's what they remember. King's Church is a face. It's your face. 
King's Church is your face. That's, that's what it is. So I want to say to you today, join the team. Join the team. Come on staff. Now, let me just tell you, in this particular area of staff, there ain't no money. Come on staff. Help us. Help us. Over the years, I said I'd finished 10 minutes ago, but uh, over the years, I've met so many people who said, I'd lo- I, I, oh, I love this particular church, but I'm staying in this one. And I said, well, why don't you come over to this one? You really love it. Oh, I don't like my church at all. I, I don't like it. I'd really love to come to this one, but I'm going to stay here. And God bless them. And for one of the main reasons why they can't move, let me tell you. I want to tell you why they can't move. Because all their friends are in this one. And so maybe it's, I'm not saying it's right that they should move or not move. What I'm saying is, people are influenced by their friends. That's, that's just life, isn't it? That's how life works. I guarantee if you love your job, it's because you've got friends um, where you work. You enjoy being there. The money, other bits might be good, but it's really about who you work with. King's Church has your face. It's got your face. And they won't remember me. They won't remember the songs. But they will remember if someone spoke to them on the door. If someone was friendly towards them. That's what they remember. So I invite you to say hello. Let's stand.